Secure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full informed investment decision. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMV. Now, here's Joe Anderson and Big Al Clopine. Hey, welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth, right here on AM760 KFMB. My name's Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner with Big Al Clopine. He is a CPA. Thanks for tuning in. Go to our website at purefinancial.com, purefinancial.com, if you want more information about us and our firm. Um, Alan, do you know this? Uh, retirement is changing in the U.S. Well, yes, I do know that. It's just not what it used to be. Uh, there was a recent survey. And they kind of talked about, all right, well, what are the changes with the, you know, there's demographics as well as numbers of social changes behind retirement. The Urban Institute took a scalpel to the statistics to try to explain America's aging um, phenomena in a very, um, in, in the process of retiring. So interesting enough, I'm going to go through a couple of these just to kind of give our listeners a little bit more information, a little news you can use. So here was one that they found, an exploding older population. In 2015, 48 million Americans were, thir- uh, were 65 or older. That's 18% more than only five years ago. By 2030, that number will go to 74 million. 74 million, Alan. Wow. Right now it's 48. Okay. 2030, it will go to 74 million and to 98 million by 2060. So we got increased longevity is one factor affecting the shape of retirement. Money will have to last retirees a lot longer. So that's longevity risk. That's right. a huge thing. You got to make sure that you have enough money to maintain a retirement that could last 40 years. Uh, a shrinking birth rate is another statistic. Not only are people living longer, they're having fewer children. That means a smaller workforce to contribute to Social Security, pensions, and other retirement plans. So this is according to the National Vital Statistic reports. Fertility rates are decreasing across all segments of the female population. At the peak of post-World War II fertility, uh, in 1957, women in the U.S. averaged 3.8 children. So that 0.8 is you, Al. <laughs> Not all there. That's, that's why... That's why I'm slightly retarded. <laughs> yeah, right. 2014 had fallen to 1.9. So, all right. So you go to four kids to two kids, almost cut in half. Um, here's another one. A more racially and ethnically diverse older population. So non-Hispanic whites uh, make up a lower share of the older population than they used to. Um, in 2000, they accounted for 81% of adults 65 and older. But by 2015, they had fallen to 76%. By 2060, they will make up only 57%. But in the uh, 60 years between 2000 and 2060, the share of Hispanics in the older population will nearly tripled, um, increasing from 7 to 20%. Uh, more older married women, fewer older married men. Wow. Okay. Well, we know that already. Well, I thought it was the opposite. Don't you think? That there would be more married men and fewer married women because the men died. Yes. Well, correct. And I th- that's still true. I guess it, I guess the trend, though, is, is slightly up. Um, so the women are finally waking up and they're saying, you know, this guy I've been with for 40 years that I've been stuck with, 
I'm finding my dream band. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm trading up. I'm trading up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting rid of them. Moving on. As the life expectancy gap shrinks between men and women, there will be fewer widows um, with fewer women outliving their husbands. In spite of increasing divorce in never married rates, older women will be more likely to live with the spouse in 2060 than they were in 2000. Really? Okay. So all you ladies out there, that's good news. It is good news. We're going to we're going to do a TV show on that here in a couple weeks. We're going to start our TV shows again. Shameless plug by Alan Colby. <laughs> um, number 5 on, on CBS Sunday mornings at 6:30 a.m. Um, we're having a lot uh, we have better educated seniors. So people born in the 1980s, the study found, are only half as likely to lack a high school diploma as those born 50 years earlier. Uh, There are also uh, nearly twice as likely to have uh, completed at least a four-year of college. Here's another one. Healthier seniors, maybe. In the 14 years between 1998 and 2012, the percentage of adults age 80 and older uh, in fair and poor health had decreased from 43 to 34%. So healthier people can work longer as well as save money on Medicare and out-of-pocket medical expenses. So if you stay healthy, I guess you don't have to pay all that money to medical expenses. Right. Okay. So, But if you're unhealthy, you're going to die sooner, and then that means less money for the longevity. Yeah, so which, which is better? I'm going to go with healthy. Yeah, me too. But I'm going to have fun along the way. <laughs> You're going to go in between, I know. Yeah, that. right in the middle. Um, all right, disappearing pensions, more 401ks. Pension plans, as everyone knows, are disappearing. Uh, while they cover 30% of adults born in 1940 and 50 with a lifetime benefit, only 11% of adults, uh, of adults born in the 1980s will have one. Eleven percent. Eleven. Wow. Okay. That's it. Instead, most will have, of course, the defined contribution plans, otherwise known as four hundred one k's. Most of which have no lifetime income option. Uh, so again, the burdens on us to do the appropriate planning and savings. Uh, here's another one: women are earning more and saving more for retirement. In the nineteen thirties, women who worked earned only about a quarter the amount that men did. That's improved, although pay uh, parity remains a distant goal. Women born in the 1970s will earn just 70% of what their male counterparts do in their lifetimes. So there's still this uh, gap uh, that uh, still needs to be improved upon. Uh, older adults are working longer. Yeah, because older adults haven't saved. But better health and better education and less strenuous jobs in some fields as well as the need to desire to keep working, are all keeping people in the workforce um, longer. I suppose when you're sitting at your desk versus in the coal mines. Sure, you, you can work longer. You can work yeah. probably a couple more and, years. And I think that's, I mean, we talk about this, Joe. It's, that's actually can be a good thing. I mean, in other words, even if you're working part-time, it keeps you still vibrant. It keeps you problem-solving, and, and it gives you a reason to get up in the morning. These are all very important things, and, and it's going to contribute to your health. So some people are working because they have to, because they need the finances. Others are working because there's a lot of other benefits, potentially. Um, and then finally... This is not too positive. Uh, more older adults are retiring with outstanding debt. Yeah. Um, older peer, uh, people are carrying a heavier load of debt into retirement than they used to. Uh, that's going to cut into what they have available to pay for retirement expenses. Between 1998 and 2012, uh, the share of adults aged 65 and older with household debt rose from 30 to 44%. And in 2012, 24% of older households had an outstanding mortgage. 
That's also an increase from 16% from 1998. Uh, there's other types of debt um, have also been on the increase, including credit card debt and so on. Uh, the median debt level among older adults with outstanding debt increased 74%. Uh, in inflation-adjusted dollars over the period uh, to twenty-four thousand five hundred. So, is that does that include mortgages or not, or does it say that? It probably doesn't say. Doesn't say. Yeah. But it, here's so there, there, there's good and bad with this new view of retirement, right? Is that all right? Well, here the new view of retirement is that we're living a lot longer, but we're retiring a lot earlier in some cases. Some of you might continue to work, and um, like Al said, um, still have that sense of purpose, right? Um, so you, you have to take the good and the bad. The, the bad is, is that, all right, well, you don't have the pension plan that's going to last you, you know, guaranteed income for the rest of your life. Um, you, Social Security, as we know, they're making some changes with Social Security benefits. Right. You know, with the file and suspend, restricted applications, we'll probably see more changes, you know, in the years to come. Uh, and then you got health expenses, right? You take a look at how much your health insurance is going to cost with the new Affordable Care Act. Uh, so there's a lot of different things that you absolutely have to take a look at. But if you could imagine your retirement game plan uh, that was no longer just about a number or just about your investments, imagine if you could fill in all the gaps and have all the answers to a rock-solid retirement game plan that covered everything from A to Z. I mean, imagine what kind of confidence that would bring you. Okay, we got to take a break. We'll be back in just a second. Chills called your money or wealth. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Chills called your money or wealth. My name is Joey Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner. I'm with Alan Klopline. He is a CPA. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, right here on AM 760 KFMB. Uh, we're looking at a few different things of, you know, just different rules that you want to make sure that you understand or take a look at in regards to retiring. Um, and one of them is, you know, you want to ensure that you'll never lose money um, is to buy low and sell high. And unfortunately, we continue to do this. When the markets go down, that's when we sell. And when the markets go back up, that's when we buy. So you want to make sure that you have the appropriate allocation to your overall financial goals, right? Um, another one is don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, that's true. Although I suppose if you pick the right basket and put your, all the eggs in that, you do quite well. That would be the I mean, the best investment you can ever possibly make is one individual stock. That's absolutely right. It's also the worst one. You got right? it. Right? And so here's the thing. I mean, if you're in your 20s and you want to kind of gamble a little bit with a single stock or whatever, go for it. Right? But don't necessarily make that your core strategy. Now, if you're getting close to retirement, that's a terrible approach, right? Because now if you hit a home run in investment, that's pretty nice, right? But it may not change your lifestyle like it would losing everything from that. That one investment, and that's the problem. You get to retirement age, you just don't have the ability to recover by having just a handful of stocks. Here's one of the most challenging things about retiring, is that you have to coordinate several different aspects to create the income, such as your Social Security, right? When are you going to claim Social Security? We just had a recent law change at the end of last year uh, that's going to affect a lot of you. All right. Um, so here's the new rule. I mean, the, here, here's the law change is that, all right, well, if I do not, um, if, if uh, file and suspend and restricted application. So you still have some time here. So if you turn 62 or, or if you're 62 and older before the end of last year, you can still file a restricted application. I'll explain what that means in a second. Also, you have another deadline, April 30th, is when you look at um, claiming strategies such as file for your benefit and then suspend them. All right, those are the two things that are changing. 
A restricted application is this. All right, so everyone that's 62 years of age and older, this still applies to you. Everyone 62 years of age or younger, this does not apply anymore. And I, I guess to be real specific, you had to turn 62 by 1231 of 2015. All right, so if you just turned 62, you missed it by a month and a half. So you had to have been 62 before the end of the year. A restricted application works is, all right, well, I have my own benefit. And this works if you're married or had been married to someone for 10 years or 40 quarters. So you can still claim on an ex-spouse as long as you haven't remarried. And then if you have remarried, you have to claim on that spouse. So if you had a really rich spouse and then you have a broke spouse, you can't claim on the rich spouse. Yeah, that's so you may you may not want to get married. Huh? Well, you, well, if you if you want if it, if your marriage is based on social security benefits, maybe not. Right. So restricted application allows you to say, all right, well, I don't want to claim my own benefit. I would like to claim my spousal benefit. The spousal benefit is half of your oh, half of the spouse's benefit. So let's say your spouse's benefits three thousand dollars a month. The spousal benefit would be fifteen hundred dollars. But some of you are thinking, why on earth would I want to do that? Because my benefit is three thousand or twenty eight hundred, right? It's it's a lot more than fifteen hundred. So I would much rather claim my own benefit than the spousal benefit. Yes, you do. But however, if you want your benefit to continue to grow, and let's say you get that eight percent retirement credit, the delayed retirement credit each year that you wait after you reach full retirement age, this is a strategy that might make sense. Is that you have one spouse that's claiming for their benefit. You say, you know what? I don't want to claim my own benefit right now. Maybe I just take the spousal benefit. So you file a restricted application, take half of your spouse's benefit, live off of that, right? And then once you reach age 70 or someone older than age 66, then you can turn yours back on and receive that increase in benefit throughout the years that you wait. So it's a, a key strategy, especially if you're looking to push out your Social Security. A lot of people don't want to push out their Social Security because they want some form of income. Right. Well, this allows you to have some form of retirement income and still receive that 8% delayed retirement credit. So that's the restricted application. So everyone that turned 62 before the end of last year, that still applies to you. File and suspend is something completely different. For me to claim a spousal benefit, my spouse had to have claimed for their own benefit. But then there was something that's called file and suspend. So let's say Right. Hey, honey, I want to claim the spousal because I want to let mine grow. Right. Then the spouse goes, well, no, I want to let mine grow, too. I don't want to claim mine right now. Well, before or, or it still works unless you um, are not full retirement age by April 30th of this year. You could file for your benefits, go to the Social Security Administration, file for the benefits. But then you say, you know what? I want to suspend them. I want to continue to get that 8% delayed retirement credit. So that allows the other spouse to claim the restricted application. So it, it works kind of hand in hand here. Um, so you have a short deadline for you to still be able to do this. And the problem is, is that if you call Social Security, they're blown up. They don't understand the rules. Social Security Administration itself does not understand the rules. I got an email this week from multiple clients and prospective um, um, listeners, right, or prospective clients and listeners. They're like, Joe, man, I listened to the radio show. I tried to do the restricted or, you know, try to file and suspend. And Social Security Administration, they were like, well, no, you can't do that. So be careful. Be careful. The Social Security Administration, you might have to talk to a couple of different people or work with a professional 
that can help call with you to make sure that you truly get the benefits that you deserve. Yeah, we've seen this many times, Joe, not just now, that the Social Security Administration doesn't really even understand their own rules and laws. Uh, and uh, I, I've had cases, and you have too, where you have to give our clients, or even we'll help them with it, right? But give our clients the the IRS, I mean, the Social Security website information so they can take it into them and say, hey, this is on your website. But this is a big deal. This was a law change that happened last fall, and it affected virtually anybody where if the, um, if the youngest spouse wasn't age 62 by year end, they were no longer able to do the strategy. And this is one where you can let your benefits both grow. It's a really big deal. And uh, to let your benefits grow is, well, first of all, you have higher income for life, which is fantastic. Secondly, not all of those benefits are taxable. In fact, in worst case, only 85% of Social Security benefits are taxable. So if you can get a greater benefit, you've got more tax-free income. And get this, no Social Security benefits are taxable in California. Zero. You don't pay California taxes on Social Security. So if you're thinking, what's the best way to increase my, my basically my net, what I get to keep? Well, one way is Social Security strategies. So you maximize that benefit. You don't pay 100% tax on the earnings from Social Security, and you pay no tax in California. Huge. Gigantic. So when you look at, all right, well, how can I maximize my retirement income long term? Well, making sure that you understand what you what what has um, uh, available to you in, in regards to your overall benefits, because I mean, there's five. Well, it's something stupid like 567 different ways to claim your Social Security benefits, and so I guess if you do the math there, I, that means there's probably 566 different ways you can probably blow this thing up, and if you do, it will be leaving tens, if not thousands, of dollars on the table, possibly more. So, Congress, as we just talked about, got rid of you know a, a few different Social Security claiming strategies this year. Uh, so the new rules make it more important than ever to make informed decisions when incorporating Social Security into your overall financial strategies. So I want you to discover how to wring every nickel out of the benefits that is rightfully yours. You Got to take another break. Show's called Your Money. Now back to Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Uh, my name's Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner. I'm with Big Al Clopine. He is a CPA. Thanks for tuning in today. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. If you want more information or listen to some old podcasts, you can go to Your Money, Your Wealth right there on iTunes. Uh, download the podcast, uh, Your Money, Your Wealth on iTunes. Or go to purefinancial.com. There's great information on our website as well. What do you got there, Big Al? Well, Joe, I want to I want to talk about how working an extra year can improve your retirement finances pretty substantially. And I think a lot of people don't realize that sometimes you know you want to retire at age sixty five, and then it's like, well, what if I work one extra year? Well, that's probably not going to make much of a difference, right? And the answer is wrong. Those final few years that you actually work make a big, big difference in the in the success or even failure of retirement. And let me go over some of the reasons why that's true. One is if you wait another year your Social Security payments are going to be bigger. So let's explore that. First of all, for every year that you wait, if you're already age 66, you're going to get an 8% raise the following year. In other words, if you were going to receive a couple thousand dollars, next year it's 2160 and so on. And you can wait all the way to age 70 and increase it that way. But, Joe, another thing people don't realize is that your Social Security benefits are based upon your 35 highest years of wages. And chances are your last year of working is a lot higher than some of your earlier years. So you got X, you have higher wages, and so you get a higher benefit that way too. Now you do this two years, three years, four years, it, it's, a, it's a gigantic difference. 
you look at, you know, we talked about this um, retirement planning quiz that I think the American College put out, and most people failed that thing miserably. And a question was, what is the, the, the least beneficial to you? And uh, the, the, I think, I'm yeah. just going off memory, it's like, all right, if you save 5% more of your income for the last five years of your retirement, um, if you delay your Social Security for a couple of years, or if you work two extra years, Right. That's exactly right. It was actually saving. So which which one is going to help you the least? And, yeah. and the first one was was saving another 3% of your pay for five years. That's one choice. Another choice is delay your Social Security benefits for two years. And the third one is to delay your retirement for two years. So if you think about it, right, all of them are pretty good. Yeah, I mean, all of them help you. There's no question. Right. But one of them has much less benefit than the others. And it's actually saving that 3 or 5% per year. Um, delaying your retirement two years will have the most dramatic impact on your overall savings. Everyone can do that. I know it's hard for you to save another one, two, three, five percent of your overall income because you're living paycheck to paycheck the way it is, and you're already saving as much as you can. But if you just work two more years, you know, instead of saying, "Hey, you know what? I'm retiring at 62. Retire at 64. Instead of 66, retire at 68." That's all. Just two more years. I know it's like, oh my god, I can't stay in my job. I hate this place. Um, that's what Alan says every day he comes into work. <laughs> Not really. Just but, when I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> but because, all right, think about it like this. Let's say, if you know, hey, I make $100,000 a year. Maybe I'm spending 70000 bucks. right? So that's my living expenses. I'm just throwing out a number, $70,000. That's what I want to maintain as a lifestyle. Right. All right. Well, all right. If you retire, okay, well, you have to come up with $70,000. Let's say two years, that's 140000 bucks. Now, some of it would be Social Security. Maybe you have a small pension. Um, and, and, but there's still going to be, potentially, for a lot of you, a distribution from your overall portfolio. You're going to stop saving. You're going to collect your Social Security. And then now you're going to start taking distributions. If you just push that out two years, the big impact is, is that, guess, you're not taking any money from your portfolio. Huge. Second, you are probably still saving money you're adding into to the portfolio. Huge. And also, you're delaying your Social Security for another two years, which potentially could give you another 16% increase on your Social Security income. So if you combined just those three things alone, this could add several more years of retirement income to your bottom line. And I, I guess if you want to go morbid, well, then that's two more years that you don't have to live, right? Yeah, you have two years less of life expectancy. Expectancy. Or, I mean, or, or so it seems. But in a lot of cases, when people work longer, they, they have, they're more fulfilled longer, and they actually do live longer. But you're right, Joe. It's, uh, it's delaying those Social Security benefits, and you get a raise every year, 8% per year. And that goes on for life, plus cost to living, right? Plus some of that's tax-free. Federal, only 85% is taxed. Worst case, state of California, you don't pay any taxes on Social Security. You get to save more. And I, I would say most people, when they get to their 60s, they're starting to get pretty serious about saving. And now they know that they could put $18,000 into a 401k. But wait a minute, I'm over 50. There's a catch-up. I can do another $6,000. I can do $24,000. I'm actually adding to the account instead of withdrawing from the account. And oh, you know what? My employer is matching. I'm getting more dollars that way. And plus growth in the overall portfolio. Absolutely. It's, it's uh, you know, compound interest. It's uh, Albert Einstein was t quoted by saying it's the, what, the eighth wonder of the world, I don't compound think that interest. That ever happened. Actually, I heard someone say that probably didn't happen either. But he is widely quoted. Uh, with that, he, you know, smart guys get quoted for a lot of things. That's right. why you and I never get quoted. Ever. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so here, here's the thing is 
And I'm not saying you have to work an extra year. I'm just saying that I know I know a lot of you, uh, when you really sit down and look at your situation, it's a little bit tighter than you might want it to be. And if you work an extra year or two, it can make a pretty big difference in your retirement. You know, I met an individual, too. Just think about the confidence this could bring you, too, is that um, individual um, worked for an organization for, I don't know, I think it was like 20-some-odd years. And he was still young. He was like 58 years old. And he's like, Joe, you know, and he um, had a, a disability, um, but then now he's ready to go back to work. But he couldn't work for about eight months or a year. And then yeah. he, he, he was fine. He's ready to go back to work. He's like, man, I don't want to go back to work. Yeah, I, I'm done. But, man, I'm really scared because, um, you know, I'm 59 years old and I'm in really good health. And this is a time frame here that, you know, have I saved enough money? Am I going to be able to do all of this? Plus, I'm not 59 and a half yet. And how does all this stuff work? And Social Security is so far away. And so you, you look at the numbers. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, he saved, right? He had a million bucks. He doesn't spend a ton. But it's like, all right, well, here, you're, you want to spend 50000 bucks plus your mortgage. So that's 70000 right? You got a million. So it's like, oh, that's tight because you're going to be pulling about 7% out of your portfolio. Yeah. But then if you looked at it, it's like, okay, well, 7%. And I said, well, how about if you do this? You could retire, but why don't you get a part-time job? Because he was making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, really stressful job. And um, he's like, well, I go, how about if you get a job making 30000 bucks a year, right? Could you? Oh, man, I could, yeah, easily do that. Maybe I just you know do something that I really enjoy. You know, I like decorating homes. Maybe I could find something there, or, you know, work part-time somewhere. You know, so you don't have to go full-time. Maybe you just cover that gap until Social Security, right, for six, seven years and make 30000 25000 something. It was, so you can get out of the, the nine-to-five rat nest or, you know, probably yeah. nine-to-nine right. you know, <laughs> rat race. Yep. And then say, all right, well, here, I'm going to retire or semi-retire. And then as long as you understand the numbers and do a little bit of math, I mean, this – this goes a long, long way. I mean, the confidence is is huge. All right, we got to take another break. Uh, when we get back, we're going to wrap up the show. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth, right here on AM760. KFMB. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth, right here on AM760 KFMB. Joe Anderson here, certified financial planner alongside uh, Big Al Clopine. He is the uh, CPA. I thought this was kind of interesting. Five signs that you are doing retirement all wrong. Okay. Do you know what the five signs are, do you think? No, you tell me. <laughs> I got I got nothing left. You say things like, buying bras on sale with Amazon One Click is the highlight of my day. I would have never guessed that. <laughs> Big L says that at least three times a week. That's why I didn't answer your, your quiz. I would have got it wrong. Boredom in retirement is a real thing. So be careful there. Imagine being in a car in motion that hits a brick wall. Oh, that's a nice thought. <laughs> We're supposed to be ending the show on it's a high note. Occupants go flying when the car stops, right? That's what happens to people who stop work abruptly without considering what they're actually going to do day to day. And since life doesn't come with airbags, it can get rough out there. Okay. All well. right, number two. Your wine regularly disappears even though you stock up at Bedmo's five-cent sale. <laughs> I think that's so, a glorious retirement right there. Yeah, so are you saying we're going to drink more? Several studies, Big Al, have found that retirement leads to drinking more alcohol. 
alcohol is the most common form of substance abuse by older adults. Nearly 3 million Americans aged 55 and older suffer from alcohol abuse. By some estimates, that figure will reach roughly 6 million by 2020. Well, what is alcohol abuse? If I drink a couple bottles of wine a day when I'm retired, <laughs> is that abuse? Yeah. That's, yeah, you're 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 you've abused it. Sure. Well, there's wine. There's I mean, HDLs. I mean, if, if it you helps drink... with limited, you know, stroke and heart attacks. Yeah, but two glasses, two glasses, two for bottles, men, two glasses, now, whatever, two, and one glass for women, two glasses for men. That's the that's the recommended amount. Well, when I'm retired, I think I'll, I'm drinking two bottles. <laughs> so you're part of that six million. I've had a long road. I'm waiting for it. Okay. Um, you are afraid to spend money and enjoy yourself because you worry you are outliving your savings. Yeah, boy, we hear that one a lot. And and I wish some people would say that when they have no money because they're spending like crazy. But the ones that have money, they can't seem to spend it. It's it's a pretty interesting dynamic. Welcome to the world of retirement um, where nobody thinks their money will stretch long enough if they live to be 100. Um, if it Let's see here. Uh, chances on a run. Life expectancies have increased, so do you have enough money? All right, so here's something. Uh, the 2010 census said there were 53,364 people in the U.S. who were 100 years of age or older. Really? Okay. Which is about 17 per 100,000 people. Do you know any 100-year-olds personally yourself? Uh-uh. No, me neither. I know a lot of 90-some you're, give me yeah. 10 years. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, I actually knew a couple 90-year-olds, but they didn't make it 100. Yeah, my grandma lived in uh, 94, 95, and she was still drinking beer. Yeah. Right? But she was only doing one drink a day. Oh, whatever. <laughs> my grandma weighed about 87 pounds, and she put a, like a case of natural light down. <laughs> Natural light, yeah, you know, natty light well, or something like that. You got to stay, you got to stay light. Yeah, and that's key, that's key, the key, right? I think she like Keystone light. Keystone light. Oh, it was awful. <laughs> so bad. If all they had was Keystone light, I guarantee you, I would not drink another drop of beer. <laughs> and I'm a big fan of cold beer. I know you. Um, okay, four. You think old is a four letter word? Okay. So you got to embrace. Yes. Alan. You have to embrace. I, I agree your with that. Age. I'm I'm with you. Old is not I've, a four-letter word. Here's what I've noticed, though. A lot of ladies have trouble with that. Well, I think a lot of people have, a, have trouble with that. Yes, you know? I'd say particularly the ladies that I know. Well, I think you're being sexist now. I suppose. I'm just t- saying what I've seen. Or well, you're just speaking from experience is what yes, you're saying. Yes, that's all I'm saying. I know several men. Remember? <laughs> well, I'm not even going to go there. Yeah, I, no, I... Because this is, I, I I found this article, I think this is a little bit more entertaining than... Than going over tax changes? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose you're right. But we can, we can no, rapid fire that. I'm not very much. interested in my thing anymore. <laughs> it's no. like... What else do you have? If you're a teacher, you can still deduct <laughs> 77 cents. Yeah, that's my number one thing. $250 for teachers. They can deduct it above the line. There you go. Above the line deduction. Teachers, 250 bucks. That's, that will save you probably $35. But that's a permanent change. Okay. Um, how about this? You believe that downsizing just means your house. So this is what I'm what I'm going through. If you just joined us here, are five signs that you are doing retirement all wrong. Well, no one just joined us. Everyone tuned out already. No, guaranteed. They were like texting their friends and they're saying, "Turn on 760 right now." You think? I guaranteed at least two people did. Okay, your mom. Yeah, she's like, "Oh my god, Anderson's making an ass out of himself." <laughs> You believe that downsizing just means your house. Okay, so we all travel more smoothly when we carry less baggage, right? Retirement really is a time for carry-on luggage only. 
While you may consider moving to a smaller, less expensive home, also consider shredding the stuff that weighs you down. Okay. I think that's good advice. So it's time to ask your adult kids to get out, Big Al. (laughs) No, it's time. I'm, I'm, I'm one for two. It's time to ask your adult kids to clean out their childhood bedrooms because you no longer have room for their little league trophies. Yeah, we we already did that. You did. Yeah, in fact, we decorated both rooms. We have an Africa room and a beach room. They're no longer Robbie's room and Ryan's room. So, do you hang out in the African room all the time? <laughs> what do you do in the African room? Pretend we're in Africa. Oh my God! <laughs> Put on African music, and then the beach room. What do you guys do there? Pretend we're at the beach. <laughs> you should come over and try it. Hey, do you want to go to the beach? Hey, you're going the wrong way. No, I'm going to Big Al's spare bedroom, Robbie's room. It's I'm now going, a beach room. No, you get to pick Africa or right. beach, or you can go to our room. I suppose oh, ours, ours is ours is a Tommy Bahamas room. Oh, Tommy! All right. Well, that's so those are the three rooms. Three little have. theme rooms there. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, let's go through some tax law changes and get the hell out of here. For well, we've just got a couple seconds, but, you know, the tax extenders bill, which kind of keeps getting uh, approved, but they've made a bunch of this stuff permanent, like deducting state taxes or sales taxes, the higher the two, deducting mortgage insurance premiums. That was extended in 2016. Some big ones, enhanced child care credit of $1,000 per kid if they're under age 17. There's certain income limitations, but that's been made Permanent section one seventy nine. If you're a business owner, five hundred thousand dollars you can write out. Pretty exciting stuff. Anyway, that was in the bill that passed on December fifteenth. Do you know what it was called? Um, no. It starts with protecting, protecting Americans from tax hikes act of two thousand fifteen. Really? Wow. And shortened the acronym is PATH. PATH. So we have a PATH. Okay. We have a PATH. Yeah. So anyway, those are some of the highlights of the new bill. What, one, one of the things that's cool, though, Joe, is the, um, this, these extenders, they kept expiring every year, and they didn't get around to approving them and passing them until usually December of the following year. And again, this last year, December 15th. So you go through the whole year without knowing, can you do this stuff or not? Anyway, most of these things have been made permanent. So that's pretty cool. Oh, well, a um, few other... Uh, Notable items there, too. Another thing is um, when it comes to your IRAs, gifting um, at $100,000 directly to charity. Yeah, that is, is a big one. Is, is yeah. now permanent. Yep. Um, so let's say if you're you're approaching 70 and a half, uh, you can take your required distribution up to $100,000 and directly give that to charity. We've used that strategy quite a bit for a, a lot of you that have large retirement accounts. Uh, that There's no way that you'll ever be able to spend that. You want to pass it to the next generation. Uh, we, and, and you give to charity. We can do that um, RMD direct to the um, uh, charity and then do Roth IRA conversions because you cannot convert a required distribution. So you can get money out to charity as you wanted to, plus that doesn't show up on your tax return to give you more room to do some conversions. So there's a lot of different things with this with this new tax bill uh, that can benefit you from a permanent basis. So take advantage of it. All right, that's it for us. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. Go to the, our podcast at iTunes, Your Money, Your Wealth, or go to our website, purefinancial.com. Uh, for Big Al Clopine, I'm Joe Anderson. Uh, you just listened to Your Money, Your Wealth right here on AM 760 KFMB. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll be back again next week.